our DT systems, the Rap 1400 or 1400 if you like doing it that way, but it's the Rap 1400. It's a collar that is super reliable, ready to rock, and it's super handy because you can hold it in your hand while you're shooting your shotgun during duck season. So it's a cool unit for you and your dog come hunting season so that you've got control over any situation. Anything the dog throws at you during the hunt is right there, easy and accessible. Bingo, bango, bongo. If you don't want that one, check out the H. 201820. It's the DT Systems and it's dog tested, dog tough. Our baby Gunner Kennels. Man, one of the things that I love about Gunner Kennels is they're thinking about our older hunting buddies. Old Buck, he hangs out in a gunner kennel when he goes to and fro. And in his, we've got the ortho pad. He's got the old joints. And, and even if your dog's not old like Buck, you just want a little bit of added protection as you're rolling down the road to keep that dog from bouncing around a little bit. So the ortho pad, super huge. If you got a younger dog that may dig a little bit, maybe chew a little bit, that performance pad is going to be clutch as well. So check it out. It's the full kit brought to you by Gunner Kennels, always innovating our industry and always keeping your dog safe. Slide in the DMs if you'd like to learn more about getting you and your dog into a gunner kennel. It's force fetch, baby. It's the number one question we get asked. You don't know how to fix it? Let me help you. Let me get you to your goals. We built a course, bunch of videos. I think there's 13 or 14 videos start to finish on how you and your dog can get through the force fetch process successfully. The link's in the description. Be sure to check it out and let me help you and your dog. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. I'm really excited for this one. Pat Burns joins us once again to talk about a new program uh, course that he's developed that took over a year of effort and filming called Bombproof Basics. A dog that's five and a half, six months old, learning leash work, check cord work, bringing a bumper back, all the way through cheating singles swim by all that so very thorough we broke down a ton of different topics around the course and how to manage the course and manage your dog through the program and basics so really fun episode i hope you enjoy it um you can just uh to give you a little tickle here it, he's giving a free webinar it's eliteretrievers.com a free webinar november 1st and 2nd of 2022 at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So the link to that is going to be in our show notes, but do not skip it. Do yourself and your dog a little solid. Elite Retrievers, November 1st and 2nd, free webinar. Join and check it out. But you know what we got to do now? Patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. We'd love to have you. It's a great community of people like me and you who enjoy dog training, enjoy talking dog training, duck hunting, et cetera, et cetera. Every other week we do a happy hour, crack a beer and talk dogs. We've got some videos on there that have never hit YouTube. Um, we are excited to have you. Great community. Join there. Next up, pa -pa 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 Purina from the duck blind to the holding blind. It's the food that fuels the truck of lone duck. The pups are on large breed puppy, and our big dogs are on that 30-20 
pro plan sport. It's kind of that purpley bag. It's a great dog food. Dogs are doing excellent on it. It's hunting season. I want them and, you know, training daily, working hard. They need to replenish those muscles, replenish their body, put in, and you get the put out. Next up, hashtag man's best kennel, Gunner Kennels. It's the only thing that I'll trust to put my old D-O-double-G's in. They've got a bunch of new products coming out and or have come out, like the new Fan 2.0, new strap system. Super solid company, great people, excellent products. Gunner Kennels. Next up, Dogtra. It's in my hand, in my back pocket, on a dog's neck. Even uh, maybe got a little yapper stopper, the YS600 on those bad boys. You can order them at LoneDuckOutfitters.com. We suggest that 1900S for most people or the old Edge RT, which will be back in stock in 2023. Next up, Shooter Shoot, baby. Mm, bismuth. Man, Kevin and I, um, we went on a grouse and woodcock hunt up in the UP of Michigan. We'll have an episode kind of recapping that here soon. Um, but we were shooting the Kent downrange. I'd like to tell you that we hit a lot of birds, but we didn't. So we're, we're going to blame that on Kent. It wasn't the bismuth. We're just going to blame it. It wasn't our skill set. It was, it was <laughs> the ammo. Oh, just kidding. Uh, Kent Cartridge on Instagram. Shoot or shoot, baby. Get stocked up. Duck season's here. Next up, smoke them if you got them. Those Traeger grills. I'm excited. I've got some ribby ribs that are thawing out and so this weekend while i'm readily waiting for quinn puppies to be here i'm going to be smoking ribs uh we've got a family party on sunday so that's what we have him next up standing stone kennels our good friends cat and ethan they're not only bad to the bone pointing dog german short hair trainers and breeders they also have a supply company standingstonesupply.com you can get anything you need there to train a dog Lastly, Waypoint Outdoor Collective, they keep us in tune with you and you in tune with us. All right, Pat, welcome back to the show. Thanks for taking time. Let's talk a little bit about that bomb-proof basics. Hey, guys. Great to see you again. Great to, great to be a part of Lone Duck. I really enjoyed the first, our first meeting, and, uh, and thank you for having me back on. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. So, so you you've got, uh, basics. yeah, you've got bomb proof basics. This has been a project, a pet project for over a year now mm -hmm. in development that you've followed these young dogs through the program. Tell everybody about bomb proof, bomb proof basics and what you got looking at it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it's, it's been my desire for years to be able to document an entire journey through basics through a basics program that I believe is, you know, the way it should be done. And I call it bomb-proof basics because I want it to hold up no matter what. I want it to hold up five years from now, eight years from now, and we'll go into that a little bit. But what I've done here is there's, there's more than three dogs, but there's three main dogs that I followed from start to finish through essentially a six-month period of time from – when they wouldn't come back with a bumper to cheating singles and beginning blinds. Mm -hmm. Now I believe that, and I did this in a very thorough fashion, just the way I would do it. 
couple of these dogs were could have ex- felt like they could have accelerated faster. And the owner said, why aren't we doing more? No, I wanted to tap on the brakes and do this in the fashion that I think is appropriate. Mm-hmm. So what I have is I have a course of 10 modules, over 90 videos, over 11 plus hours of edited footage, of training footage. There's four plus hours of footage from question and answer, because what I had is I had a 20 person basic study group prior to this. We did 13 different calls. And in those 13 calls, we talked about the process. We looked at the flow chart and we had lots of good questions. So I condensed those Q and a sessions and edit them and they're in, in their corresponding modules. So you're going to see, you're going to see a series of videos. The shortest module is, has three or four videos. The largest has 14. And uh, it's as thorough as I could imagine, you know, and I, and I, and I felt a little bit like, wow, this is lots of footage, but it needed to be lots of footage. Anything less, I don't think would have, given the process justice. So let me ask you a question um, that spurs my, my, what you just said. Lots of footage equals lots of opportunity for people to watch dogs not to do it well. Excellent. And so, so many of the videos that are on YouTube, even videos that I've produced, you know, you're, you're not necessarily taking the freshest of freshy dog and putting them into a scenario where I don't know what's going to happen. And, and we do sometimes, but a lot of the videos that are out there for people, it's, you know, a, a dog that can run blinds and they're doing T pattern with it and just explaining that a plus B equals C. And then what happens if your dog, the viewer, their dog doesn't do it that way. So maybe explain how in depth that goes with all that video content and information. Well, absolutely. What I felt was crucial just is just what you said. I, I tried to make this as reality TV as possible. Mm-hmm. I filmed every day, no matter what, no matter how messy, no matter how ugly. Mm-hmm. And I made sure I saved some of the, some of the most challenging days. Sure. Uh, oftentimes I was most all the time I was working with the owner, right? Actually coaching somebody through the journey. I'd step in multiple times. So after maybe one of these rough sessions, I'd have to talk some of these owners off the ledge a little bit. <laughs> this dog's for sale. <laughs> well, that's right. And that's going to be people at home. Like, they're going to think, oh, my God, I ruined my dog. I had yeah. a horrible day. Or I had two bad days. Yeah. Well, I go through a pretty detailed explanation at the end of some of these sessions, kind of explaining what I saw and where I think I'm going to go from here. Very cool. And then I almost always show the next day and I talk about the previous day mm-hmm. and I explain what I like to do, how I like to back up a step simpler than where I finished the day before. So yeah, exactly how I do it too. I, I feel like, especially if you have a rough day, let me take them back a little bit, build some confidence, some success, and then see if they can click and feel good about what they learned the day before. That's Absolutely. huge. Let me ask you about the three main dogs that are in this uh, course. Mm-hmm. Tell me about each one as an individual, their personalities. You know, are they soft? Are they hard headed? Are they 
piggy, you know, what, what, how would you classify each of these dogs? The first dog, the oldest dog in the group, the first one I, I did was a dog named Coop. And Coop was out of uh, a Hall of Fame dog named Board Out Ford. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think of the gentleman's name. Veterinarian from Louisiana with a really nice female who finished a national. And this is a very well-bred dog. And this female, when I saw her, I said, if I was going to get a puppy out of a dog, this would be the dog. So nice. we had somebody here locally. We had a couple of them come into the area. Name is Coop. Coop was kind of very interesting with Coop. And I mentioned it. The first three weeks of basics, I was worried that whether this dog had enough desire. And I'll yeah. tell you, we, this dog was in day school and, and Mike Lardy and I were doing it. And Mike said, this dog doesn't have enough desire to do this. Right. Well, it couldn't be further from the truth. Actually, he's, he's on Andy Atar's truck right now. Nice. And he's, and they're, they're saying they're, they can't give him an ounce of, I mean, they have to sit on, stay on him because yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a high, he became a high bar dog. Coop, um, Coop was fun, a little clowny, not very serious initially. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I thought he was a little bit delicate, but mm -hmm. then as what basics does the combination of a dog maturing and going through this process and, and having to uh, adhere to standards, whether he felt like it or not, it really turned this dog and matured him in a hurry. And he became a, a and again, he, his attitude, when you, you're going to see him in the, in, on a, in the whole swim by uh, module. Mm -hmm. and, and when you see him, you know, leap halfway across the pond on his, you know, 11th day of swim by after he's been sent 50 yeah. times in the last five days. And he, you know, you realize this dog's attitude is just right. That's awesome. I think a, a poignant piece that you just brought up with this dog is, you know, questioning you know does he have it doesn't he have it but trusting the process that you know with with what you're about to teach this dog it may not look great day one but trust the process and every dog is to me is still different like absolutely you know to the owner it's going to be the best dog they ever had but to us we might be like ah you know it just it lacked this this and this but if you trust the process and build and build and build you still don't know what you're going to get at the end it still could be something truly amazing Absolutely. You know, that's happened a lot with me. Some, some of the, some of the best dogs I had, I really was concerned at early ages if they had enough quality to be a good dog mm -hmm. and to be a real dog. So, yeah. and I believe even though basics is structured and has a lot of discipline, it really, for me, it's been my experience that it emboldens dogs, even sensitive dogs. I think a great basics program makes a sensitive, maybe wimpy dog a little more resilient. Mm -hmm. And maybe a tough, maybe not so willing dog or compliant. You yeah. find that middle ground. You find that joy of compliance mm -hmm. and joy of trying. Because yeah. sometimes those softer dogs have learned if they don't try, you don't make them try. And so. Right. Those are all uh, points that I want everybody to slow down and hear what he just said and like recap it real quick, because. I feel like every time I get an obedience dog in and people are worried about a collar conditioning program and things like that, it's like you see these dogs become more confident in themselves because they've got some rules and now they know how to follow the rules. And so they're allowed to be more of a dog and, and they learn how to be successful and confident. And, and I think that that foundation 
a good foundation can turn an okay dog into a, a much better, better animal. Without a doubt. And guys, you know, getting through a basics program doesn't have very much to do with ability or necessarily even tremendous desire. Mm -hmm. And I believe whether you're training a really nice hunting dog or trying to win a national in five years, I wouldn't do anything different. I wouldn't That's do anything different. Great point. And, uh, you know, I, I've placed a number of hunting dogs that went through good basics programs and they, they are the best hunting dogs you'll ever have. Absolutely. They really are. Tell me about dog number two. Dog number two is named Kid. Good friends of mine out of, of St. Louis area, Cliff and Jeannie Garland. Mm -hmm. And Garland had been in the game quite a while. He was out of a, a field champion that I don't remember and wasn't kind of a high profile dog. Kid came in as one of these a little bit aloof. Uh, didn't really, initially he acted like he didn't really care if you liked him or not. Mm -hmm. he, eh, he liked to retrieve, but he wasn't loaded. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he gave me the impression that he had kind of learned that he didn't really have to pay attention. And this was, and again, I'm talking um, five and a half month old dog at this point. Right. That was going to be my next question. Thank you. Yeah, he was under six months, but somewhere near that. Mm -hmm. And we started force fetch pretty close to six months, you know, within weeks, probably closer to six months than, than, than not. And uh, we ended up actually doing some light collar conditioning just because he was a pain in the butt to get to come back. We did it just <laughs> enough to kind of manage him so we sure. could mark him a little bit. Yep. And at first, I mean, he was trying everything to not behave. And you'll see uh, in, in, uh, in uh, one of the modules is dealing with setbacks mm -hmm. and it's showing kid the first day, Kim, that the hand, the owner is trying to teach him hold. And it's, I mean, everybody is going to be, be able to relate to that, but right. the, 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 the short, the video that you're going to see is the progression over the course of the next three weeks. Not only does kid become bolder and more empowered, so does Kim. Very cool. Very cool. And that's what I'm going to, one of the things I'm going to say is these basics, they're not just for the dogs. They're probably oftentimes more for the trainers than they are the dogs. You know, the things they learn, the structures that they adhere to, the, the consistency, you know, when you talked about those sensitive dogs that actually thrived under some sort of authority, it's, it's the consistency of a standard mm -hmm. that is so critical. And so that's what, it, you know, and in basics program and in this, in this um, uh, course, I am really emphasizing when the owners are running the dogs and when I am, my standard of delivery, my standard of water treading on swim by, my standard of not shaking until you've already delivered the bumper, my, you know, so many of those kinds of things yep. um, that would be real easy to not pay attention to and would be real convenient. I put a tremendous amount of effort on it so that some of this preciseness of healing mechanics, delivery mechanics becomes the habit, the second nature, the muscle memory. It's no longer done out of discipline. It now is done out of habit. That's right. And, and that's about, the beauty of it. How about dog number three? 
Dog number three is uh, uh, dog number three is a dog named Joker. And Joker is out of Lauren Hayes's national champion and oh. bred by Mitch Patterson. Actually, a litter mate of Joker just finished the Derby Championship. Nice. Joker looks like a real nice dog. Now, uh, Joker just came out of really started running blinds at the end of July. And, I, and Joker is really featured in the tail last three modules. And Joker was probably the least focused and most scatterbrained of the three initially. Mm-hmm. And when he first came, I don't think he had at six months because that uh, Ed is Ed Hurley's the owner and a great guy uh, from Massachusetts. And this dog had been, you know, he, I, he started at the, in January. So he had, he'd virtually never swam. Sure. But he, he went from, uh, yeah, you know, we'll see, maybe we can do something with them to maybe the best of the three. That's awesome. It'll be interesting. I'm just, and this guy has never, you know, he got his, he got his older dog qualified all age a year ago. And he, you know, that was his biggest goal in life. Sure. Well, you now know, I think this dog, you know, may have some long-term, you know, you, I, I wouldn't, I would be surprised if you don't hear from this dog down the road. Very cool. And he, he became almost too easy, you know, and it, it and I, ha- I hit that with most of these guys at the tail end of the sessions. And I kept saying, the reason they're going easy is because the thoroughness of the previous steps. That's right. So one thing I'd like to cover before we jump into our next topic and why I asked you about the three dogs, different personalities is a, a good foundation. Some would call it a bomb proof basics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, actually. Damn, nailed it. <laughs> It doesn't matter if the dog is soft, stubborn, um, aloof, scatterbrained. The, the process is roughly the same. You cater to the dog that's in front of you, but the process and doing things the right way and believing in the process will get you the results in the end. And so if you're thinking, boy, my dog's soft, I don't think we should collar condition it because we get those messages all the time. Or my dog's too soft for force fetch. Those are all misnomers. Those are all excuses of why not to take this challenge and move forward with your dog and build a better dog. Um, so I just wanted to hit that out there for everybody who's listening. You know, guys, I, I'll tell you the most challenging dog is that, is that dog that has learned to use sensitivity as a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. It's very easy when you see some dogs behave, get aggressive or do something to know that they are using avoidance behaviors to try to change the expectations. Absolutely. And the sensitive dog is the one that sneaks up on you. You think, Oh my God, we, well, we can't make him sit. We got to be careful. And the more you do that, the more you, you don't hold them accountable to doable, clear, concise commands because they're acting sensitive and like, Oh my God, like a little weenie wad that yeah. they can't function. And when that works for them. They're going to resort to that every time there's some challenge that they just don't feel like trying. And so you can turn a sensitive dog into a really good dog. And I'll tell you some of the best dogs I've ever been around are on the edge of being super fragile. 
And if they weren't put through a solid basics program, they would have not have been trainable. Pat, can you give me an example of like, let's say we're, we're doing collar conditioning or something like that. Um, you know, we get a lot of people who ask this question and say like, well, my dog's being vocal or my dog is shying away from things. So I can't do it. Right. Like they're, they're too sensitive. What, can, can you walk someone through step by step? Like if that dog is in front of you, what you would do? I think the key to any of these things is simplifying the complexity of the task. In other words, it's going to be heel and sit. And you are going to be in a position to manufacture the proper response. Now, when you talk about vocalness, yeah, I'm, I, I try to find an intensity that they don't vocalize on, but they're responsive to. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, a lot of dogs that are sensitive to some things are not necessarily that sensitive to the collar. So, you know, it, it, you can't necessarily draw that conclusion immediately, but if they have a bad response and they're a little bit panicky, then I'm going to go back to stages before collar conditioning and teach them to respond in a, in a, in a good way to, to the, uh, to some degree of pressure. And I'm going to make it very simple. And I'm not, and I'm going to make sure that I can manufacture the right response, which is either here or sit typically. And the minute I see that glimpse of the effort I'm looking for, I'm going to add some positive reinforcement and I'm going to teach them the one way that they are going to alleviate all the stress that they're feeling. And I'm telling you pretty quickly, that sensitive dog becomes the easiest dog yeah, because it takes less, but you have to, None of these dogs come out of the womb, you know, perfectly conditioned to the, to the adversity that they're about to face. That's something we have to teach them and nurture them through and coach them through. Absolutely. Yeah. We're definitely a coach. One of the things that we have written down here that I think is a good segue for this discussion on personalities is a lack of effort, you know, as a trainer, as a handler, determining lack of effort and lack of understanding. Can you kind of describe what you were thinking about with that topic? Well, that's going to go back a little bit to what I just said. And I'm always going to simplify the task. If I think there's, if I'm not sure if it's a lack of effort, a lack of understanding, then I'm going to change the task that I'm asking to something that I know they understand. Mm -hmm. And then if if their whole attitude is lack of effort, it becomes pretty obvious. And it's, it, I had a dog just this week that came in and, and uh, working with somebody who just for the week and I'm trying to get a feel for where this dog is. And, and uh, she said she, uh, she did swim by and, and I said, and I watched him a little bit and I said, I want to go back. I'm doing a young dog right now. I'm uh, just starting double T. I want to get over there. Mm-hmm. Well, she wants to rip over there first and practice a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I get there and um She's sitting there and I said, well, you've been running him, huh? She said, yeah, a little bit. I said, how's it going? He said, he won't go. I said, he won't go. She said, I had the zapper. I said, okay, wait a minute. So she said, should I leave it in the truck? I said, all right, we got to have a talk. All right. Which is, this is not an uncommon thought. No. So, because she said, oh, he's just, so let me, let me get to understand this. You made a few corrections for him, not healing or not coming. And now he won't go. Yeah. That's pretty much what happened. I said, all right, we're going to walk down. And I noticed she had all, she had both overs out and everything. 
So she was trying to jump ahead, in my opinion. We went up close to the pile, did a couple sins. He was real sloppy about delivery, kind of being clowny, shopped at the pile. Pretty soon, we were trying to put a bumper two inches from his mouth to get him to fetch, and he wouldn't grab it. I said, all right, this ain't working. And he was kind of a clamor. He would just sit there, and you, if even if you pinched his ear, he just – I'm going, all right, this – I'm not sure what I'm seeing here. So I said – we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to do basic obedience. We're going to do hear, heal, and sit. doesn't matter what the task is. The simpler, the better in this situation. Let's, maybe he doesn't understand. I think, and in a lot of ways, I felt really sorry for this dog because I didn't necessarily think he was being stubborn. I think that was a true lack of understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think he had been accelerated too quickly and not, and, and not done thoroughly. And after five days with him, no doubt in my mind, that's the case. Sure. But we went back to here and sit. We put two leads on them just so we could make them come and we could make them sit. Cause I wasn't sure I could make them do anything. <laughs> and he wasn't going crazy. He just was, he had found every reason, every, every trick to, you know, to be just ornery enough. Yep. So we simplified the task to the two most to the, the two simplest things you can do is come and sit. Right. I mean, I don't care what level i mean if they're reasonably well trained most every dog has an understanding of those two tasks sure but when you see that lack of effort kind of creeping in that you being a little resentful just just pushing the envelope i go back to the simplest things and i oftentimes do here and sit with collar conditioning if 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 their effort level is as bad as it appeared on a more complex task it almost always shows up there and then we just I don't care about the double T anymore. It has nothing to do with the task. That's where people get in trouble. Right. The task is only an opportunity to, yeah, you're going to teach them to handle. But the more important thing is that you teach them the understanding of, to some degree, who's in charge, how, how good it is for you to be compliant, how to understand pressure and that from the dog standpoint and that, you can control it. You can avoid it. You can make it go away. And, and the joy of compliance and, and, and how fun it is to be good. Yeah. And, but you got to go to something simple. You've got to go. So I always say, you know, so many people, they're trying to do the full length of the double T and they're dealing with shopping. They're dealing with three different things. Move up. You know, they, people, it's almost like they feel if they move up, they failed. No. And I, I can't, I've done this with many open dogs. I've, I've turned a, a water blind into a heel sit drill behind the line. And you think this dog, he's a field champion, but today he's not, he's just <laughs> as bad as any other dog. And he's decided that, no, I'm not going to do anything you want me to do. Yeah. I'm not going to pull. How many times you try to move a dog on the line? He said, no, I'm not pulling to the right. Well, wait a minute. Now it's just a healing drill and it won't heal. So that's the big thing is when you get into those kind of scenarios. Yeah. And by the task, maintain the standard. I mean, if you wrote, if you had a tattoo on your arm and you had that one, you'd, you'd be a pretty good dog trainer. I like it. That'd be a good, <laughs> that's a good t-shirt. That's a good t-shirt. I dig it. Um, real quick, you, you, you touched on it, but I'd like to elaborate for a second so that it can set up our next question and topic. But from you basically said from five and a half to six months old 
where they're almost like they're going and getting things and sort of bringing them back to you, but not really in the different modules. What are people going to expect from the bomb proof basics? You know, literally swim by single T, double T, all that. Absolutely. Well, there's, you're going to see 10 modules. And the first module is basic obedience. It's just, it's that puppy that you've seen right there. So is it now, as simple as like treat training rope work into collar conditioning or. And I, what I, what I explain is that the majority of the total positive reinforcement with food has been done up to this point. Okay. So I, you won't see me doing that. And I okay. even recommend that some of Pat Nolan's uh, seven to 16 week stuff that he does with these little guys is truly amazing. Mm -hmm. None of these dogs had that. Gotcha. Coop might've had a little bit of it, but most of them did not, but I think it's wonderful. But what, what you're going to see in the first module is Joker right in my backyard here with Ed and a leash. He throw He said, Oh, he'll come back. He throws, picks up the bumper, he sniffs, goes over, won't come back. Ed's got to reel him in. And that's, and I said, here's what happens on module one. This is where it turns from one, two to half two. Mm -hmm. This is where the things that you kind of do when you feel like it, now you're, there's going to be an obligation. Now I'm going to start to lightly condition under pressure. Now pressure's a, a tug on a pinch collar or even just a collar, a little tap with a stick. It's the beginning of the understanding of pressure. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start with real basic obedience commands, and I'm going to start to get a feel for this dog's natural response to pressure. That's what it, you'll see with Joker. Those first few modules, uh, there's actually a couple guest dogs. There's a, um, a young lady, good friend of our uh, daughter-in-law of Arlie Reynolds, the guy I talked to the veterinarian from Alaska. It's mm -hmm. going to be a good hunting dog, but she came in. We were going to, uh, help her put her dog through basics. First day I ever saw the dog, you know, somewhat obedient, but I was really coaching her through how to use a stick, how to condition a dog to understand, sit with a tap with a stick, mm -hmm. starting to manage leash pressure, that kind of stuff, teach him a place board, but it's mostly heel, sit, come and go to a place board. That's what I'll, you know, go to a destination Sure. in that, in, in that early obedience. And so you'll see that part. Second module, I go into force fetch. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to explain that some of these, there's an overlap. Like I did a little light collar conditioning, um, uh, you know, kind of during in the beginning of force fetch as an extra thing. Mm -hmm. But the force fetch module is hold through directional fetch where I've got two piles and it's, it's the, it's, it's, ne it's not necessarily into pile work where I'm going in at any distance, but it takes you through fetch to a pile, stick fetch mm -hmm. and e-collar fetch. So they're doing walking fetch with a ladder. They're doing multiple bumpers. They're, they're standing in front of me, casting two piles on the left and right. So it's a thorough force fetch program from hold through directional fetch where a dog is picking up bumpers off of a pile and stick fetch. And the last modules or the last videos, e-collar fetch. Mm -hmm. Then we go from, from, uh, from that to classic collar conditioning. And I say, I thought collar conditioning was the most difficult module for me because I thought it's the one that's changed the most. 
we used to have a very rigid, you know, X number of days, you did three nicks here, four nicks here. And it's something that I find myself kind of doing over time. But I do go through what is more of the classic collar conditioning session. But those dogs, it wasn't for the most part. I explain when this is their first, first exposure to electricity at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking for that sweet spot, just enough to be effective, but not too much, as much as necessary, as little as possible. So I try to, and I, and I talk about whether it's ear pinch pressure or e-collar pressure or anything, you have to find that spot and you have to find something that's going to change behavior now, not something that they learn to tolerate. So I go into that. A lot of this course is explaining the principles of this thing, not just the steps. Right. You know, when, when Lardy did his early tapes, you know, they were about steps and they're good. And when people follow the steps, things kind of happen. Maybe they don't understand why they happen. I'm going to try to make you understand why they happen, because I think you're going to have a better understanding. You're going to be able to make decisions and modifications uh, with dogs that are different. You're going to be able to cut and paste if necessary. And when you get four or five years down the road and you have an understanding of what took to get there, when things start to unravel, you're going to know where to go back to to fix it. Cool. So we go in from there, we go into e-collar, we go into uh, mini T, mm-hmm. which is more advanced pile work, double T, then into swim by, and then on from there. Uh, it goes from there to beginning blinds, cheating singles, wagon wheel, pattern blinds. It, it takes me through uh, a dog running cold blinds and doing his first nine cheating singles, Joker's first nine cheating singles. That's super cool. So. In your opinion, how has the basic programs evolved over over the years that you've been doing this? I think we've become, in a good way, way more attentive to maintaining a good attitude. Mm -hmm. We've become way better at training more sensitive, delicate dogs. And the beauty of sensitive, delicate dogs, for the most part, is their low maintenance. And for most amateurs and owners, when you get a sensitive dog that likes to retrieve, that's the greatest thing they could ever have. And so you used to think that sensitivity was a negative term, you know, always sensitive. Like, what don't you like about it? No, sensitivity managed properly is fantastic. So we found a better way with technology, with variable intensity collars, but not just that, you know, there's been some, you know, Hillman did some nice stuff with kind of easing through the force fetch process. The Curtis's uh, introduced some, some things to promote good attitude during swim by, you know, I've been open and adopted a lot of theories I've been. And, 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 but the program you're seeing is based on the original foundation that I learned in my earliest days. And, you know, it's, but the biggest change has been keeping dogs enjoying the process where they, you know, there were times where you went out and you were going to do yard work and they looked and they they didn't want to come out of the kennel. Sure. Yep. I don't, I don't see that anymore. And I don't let that happen. Awesome. So yeah, that's one of those things where, you know, you, the attitude and positivity around the tasks that can become mundane for both you and the dog, you know, to, to keep it fun, to keep it, 
uh, exciting for them yet maintain a standard and, and, and hold them to that standard, but the balancing act of the attitude. And, and don't, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you're going to see some days that weren't fun. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the overall picture at the end of the day, all these dogs ran hard on the double T all these dogs, you know, hit the water hard on swim by. And I'm not concerned about their training attitude. I, I, getting them to understand and comprehend pressure in a healthy way so that it's usable, but not destructive is what a great basics program does. And that's what, that's what I'm going to teach here. One of the questions we get often and is on my notes and you brought it up as well through the process of, of zero to a hundred. So many people don't know when to stick it out and keep plugging away at, you know, let's say force fetch or single T double T when to move on. And, and I wanted you to maybe explain things that you see in a dog that says, let's move on, let's back up, let's stay here and, and play that game. And I say in the, in the course on double T swim by, I don't necessarily have to perfect this and rarely do I perfect it. So it isn't, they, they still make some errors. Here's my, here, here's my gold standard for moving on. When I use pressure, collar pressure, mostly in the latter stages for the lessons, do they respond and understand and respond to being corrected? If they, if, if I'm happy with their response, for example, if they pop and I force them, do they force? Mm -hmm. If I blow a whistle and they, and they have a loopy sit or they don't sit and I correct for a stop, do they sit? And, uh, and do they, you know, because sometimes do they come in? Do they, is there, is the fallout from a correction for a not stopping near the pile cause them not to go next time? Those are what's going to keep me from moving on. Right. But if I, but if I correct a dog for slipping a whistle, that's, you're going to do that the rest of their life at times. And if I, if I come to line and a dog is bugging or even if they don't go one time and I step forward and I correct them on heel with a collar and then send them and they go fine. I want, I'm, I welcome those things happening. And if they still happen from time to time, that doesn't keep me from moving to the next step. And I'm going to repeat what I said. The most important thing for moving on is that the key lessons of that step are enforceable with direct pressure, maybe ear pressure, maybe lead pressure, oftentimes it's collar pressure. If you feel good about their understanding and response and that you don't, you're not doing it time and time again, right? you've proofed their response to the correction sequence and reinforcement things that you're going to use, then I move on. The swim by dog, our coop, I never did get one cast. I had a, my right hand swim by off of a, and I put my pile on the left out of the water 10 yards. And when I gave him the right hand swim by almost every time he ran and he was going to curl over the backside and he whistled <laughs> and got a neck and I cast him in. I, I could have put it on the edge and avoided that. Mm -hmm. I could have spent four or five more days and I probably would have corrected him, but I went to different places and I proofed it other, but did I perfect it? No. Gotcha. And did he swim by perfect, you know, 
because they'll get to the point where they do it on their own without you even asking them. Of course. Yeah. Once they do some of that, the best benefit of these steps are not the perfection of the steps. It's the things you get go through. It's the 80% part. It's when they pretty much know it, but they're not always convinced they're going to do it. That's the beauty. Those are the key points of, of basics. And then when you use the tools that you're going to use down the road, mostly the collar and mostly for go stop and come or stay in the water kind of scenarios. Mm -hmm. if, if you feel good that there isn't all this negative fallout, that there's a clear understanding and a response, that, then you're ready to move on. Absolutely. One of the things that I'm excited about this program is watching how you get a dog to sit on a whistle. I feel like that's Huge. one of those things that I know and learned and do a ton of, but there are certain dogs in my career where I've always wished it was better. Mm -hmm. And having someone like yourself, you know, do that and, sh and, and in essence, show me how you do it via the bomb proof basics, mm -hmm. you know, that to me could put something in my arsenal that'll improve my dogs moving forward. That's, that's big for me. And I'll give you one. I, and I know we talked about this briefly last time, because I think maybe Blaine even asked it. Mm -hmm. The beginning of a sharp sit is not, has nothing to do with sit. It's the begin. It, it's the, it's the quick and snappy response to any command. Mm -hmm. It is the urgency to perform the task, not just, yeah, I'll do it on my time. So when you develop the pattern of an instant response to things, and then you reward it and you encourage it, the sit is, is part of it. I do a lot of sit here, sits not associated with retrieving. And I do use, I mean, I coach them through with a, with a rope initially. I, I want to manufacture a good sit. Now I'm not talking about giving them a 50 yard head start and ripping your shoulders out and hurting them. I do it close, but I, I work really hard at molding that good response. You know, we've, what we've done with a few dogs, we've actually tried to teach them to turn both ways just to be more conscious of the idea of sitting. We'd actually put somebody on one side and we, we blew, we'd guide them to that direction versus the other, but we would do things to really focus on the instant response to the whistle and show them how to sit as close as they can on a dime. <clears throat> Very cool. A lot of it is done and again, not associated with the retrieve itself. A lot of it is done with here sits and two leads and teaching them. And when you blow a whistle or you say sit, that they engage their rear end immediately. And you, and you have to, A, you use some pressure, but you do a lot of, and some pressure may just be the lead and not necessarily the collar. But once you can kind of get them to understand it's not just sitting, it's sitting instantly. Mm -hmm. Then you're on the, uh, then you're on track. To getting that sharp, you know, drill your butt in the ground, saluting sit. Yep. Yeah. That would be uh, one of the highlights for me is to watch that whole process from start to finish uh, on three dogs and, and working through issues and whatnot. That'll be really good for me to, to take a little nugget away from. Um, now, uh, you know, you're doing a free two day webinar. Yes, sir. November 1st and 2nd mm -hmm. to kind of kick this bad boy off. And there's a, there's going to be a link in our show notes 
Mm -hmm. And it's on your website, EliteRetrievers.com, November 1st and 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. What are people, you know, going to see during this? Well, it's going to, you know, we had, we actually sent an email out asking people's help. You know, what do you want to know about? We got 200 emails in three days. It was amazing. And great questions, great concerns, a lot of similarities. So we're going to talk about some of those questions. We, we talked about some of them today, right here. A lot of the when to go on, how to interpret effort versus, you know, un- lack of understanding kind of things. Uh, so we're going, to t- we're, we're going to try to answer questions. We're going to work pretty hard to make it kind of a teaching effort. We're going to explain what to expect out of this course. You know, I told you about the 10 modules and, and the 11 plus hours of footage. And you're, these guys are also going to get five one on, we're not one on one, we're going to do five phone calls. Mm-hmm. We're going to do five one hour sessions where we're going to answer questions and we're going to talk about that segment of the module. The first session, the first deal is going to be an onboarding call where we're going to explain the course, tell them how to get the most out of it, that kind of thing, you know, what to expect, where we're going with this whole thing. And then the next four will be the diff- splitting the whole basics thing into quarters. And we're going to answer questions and do the best we can to help people make sense out of the whole course. Very cool. So in the course, I guess, describe the course more, you know, is it partially your personal time that people are, are gaining? Is that my understanding of these yeah, hour long calls? It absolutely is. Well, okay. The calls are definitely going to be that, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be my personal time and, and, and maybe expanding upon, uh, the course itself, you know, doing my best to answer questions about that segment. Uh, but the course itself, what you talk about, is it my time? Well, I'd like to think that this is your best chance to spend six months every day walking out, watching, and being a part of watching a dog put three different dogs put through basics. And all of us would, would have loved to have been able to do that at certain times in our life. Yeah. We were lucky to spend a weekend. Well, this is a chance to do the best I can to begin, make it as clear and honest and intimate as I can to f- make you feel like you're sta- that you were the third, third person standing there watching and engaging in, in, in everyday session. That's super cool. So again, everyone, November 1st and 2nd, links in the show notes, EliteRetrievers.com, if you'd like to sign up for that free webinar at 8 p.m., the first and second of November, 2022. So if you're listening to this two years from now, you missed it, but they could still get the course. Right. Is that correct? The course is going to go on sale. That is going to start right then. And so we'll explain more about the logistics of that, that evening and how that might go on. But we're going to spend a lot of time, not necessarily, we're going to talk about the course, but we're going to talk about basics. And we're going to, and that's what, uh, you know, that's that's what people want to hear about and that's what i'm passionate about because i'm going to tell you you know when i look over the course of 40 some years some of the greatest dogs weren't necessarily the most gifted but almost every one of them were the best prepared and this is where you start it's the and these are hard work pays off right when no one's right. working type of thing you know what's the unseen hours the unseen hours quote is that's what you do when nobody's watching so that you succeed when everybody's watching. 
And that's what basics are. You know, basics aren't going to fix all your problems. Basics are going to give you the tools to fix and manage your problems. And that, and you're going to have them all. You're going to have a great toolbox and everything's going to be shiny and in working order so that when things happen and they happen, you're, you're going to be able to deal with them. And so hopefully um, I can do a great job of explaining that. And, and, and I get fired up. I'm, I mean, I, I honestly, I've done this 40. I mean, it's, this is probably my 40th winter and I can't wait to get out there and work with this little Billy dog. Who's eight months old. We're starting double T it's exciting. And basics should be the most exciting time. You watch dogs learn things in minutes, not months. Yeah. So. That's super cool. Well, Pat, I'm really excited. Is there anything else you'd like to touch on um, before we wrap it up? I think we did. You guys did a great job of, of uh, explaining to people when they can they can see the, the two day webinar and how they can get more involved in this. And uh, uh, I appreciate you guys time. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Absolutely. I, if, if my passion isn't obvious, uh, I don't know how to make it more obvious because <laughs> this, is, this is what dog training is all about. Absolutely. Building a young dog into something special. So everybody, we're, the links will be in the show notes. Feel free to, uh, there's like, Pat, explain maybe for one second, if they go to your website, they can just sign up, put their email in, and they're going to get newsletters from you on other things that you've got going on. Absolutely. You know, it's, you know, there's a whole educational platform that we're putting together. And uh, so that would be the place to find out about things other than just this, but this is what we've got going soon. And, and uh, we'd love to, we'd love to have you. And uh, I can't wait to see you guys soon. Yeah, absolutely. Pat, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Um, really excited for this bombproof basics bro- program. That's a mouthful. Bombproof basics program that's going <laughs> to kick butt and take names, and everyone's going to learn something to improve their dog, but really improve themselves. So I'm really excited. And I, again, I appreciate your time to join Kevin and I, and we'll, we'll do it again. Likewise, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Hey, do me a solid. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you do it before September of 2023, you're going to enter to win a hunt with me and Kevin and a bunch of other Patreon members down in Missouri. We're going to smack some ducks, have some fun, do a seminar with our dogs and have a great time. But jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Links in the description and join the community that helps me help you help your dog. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today.